Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And you are joined this morning by myself, Lawson, and sitting across from me, my co-host for today and for this week, Matthew. Matthew, how are you going this morning, bro? Oh, I'm excited. I feel, I feel very privileged to be a part of this ministry. Oh, amazing. No, we're stoked to have you here on The Breakfast Show, getting it done, talking about all th- things, you know, positively different radio this morning, positively different, you know, faith and what's going on there. I tell you what, I am just grateful, grateful for life, grateful for a new week. It's, it's cool. There was like lots of students from my university and I, I go to the campus church as well, even though the, the semester has ended, there was lots of students who had gone on a Fiji mission trip. Yes. And they had, you know, from what I saw there, it was part mission trip, part holiday type thing. But they they had a really good time. I was talking to some people over there and they're like, no, like, because I was kind of accusing them. No, like in a jokey way. I was like, was it a a mission? I was like, was it a mission trip? Because, you know, it looked like lots of uh, volleyball, lots of swimming in the (laughs) beach. I get it. And they're like, nah, dude, like we were, we were working, you know, long days, building stuff and whatnot. No, I believe them. I'm I'm just kidding around with them. But uh, no, they've all come back and it was good just like catching up and seeing a lot of those young people who had a great time over in Fiji and now, you know, settling in for the, the summer holidays here in Australia. Coming up in today's show, we're going to be looking at some some sentiments towards the Bible and whether it should be banned. We're also going to consider the you know some situations in big business at the moment, as well as looking at some stuff with FedEx and also having Brad Moody on the show to talk about all things uh, apologetics. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Joined by myself, Lawson, got Matthew across from me in the studio. Matthew, get us our first quiz question for today. I'm excited to. So, what creature was killed on a snowy day by the son of Jehoiada? Benaiah, that's the last part of his name. So, what creature was killed on a snowy day by the son of Jehoiada, Benaiah? Yeah, Benaya, and then we've got a Four multiple choices. choice here, so A through D, yeah. So A is fox, B is lion, C is snow owl, never knew there was a snow owl, mm. and D is polar bear. So your mm. four options are fox, lion, snow owl, polar bear. You've got a one in four chance of getting in it to win it. Mm, absolutely. And like you said, Matthew, one in four chance. So guys, you can just text in saying A, B, C, or D. But what was the creature that was killed by Beniah on a snowy day? The son of Jehoiada was it A, fox, B, lion, C, snow owl, or D, a polar bear. You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. And our prize for this week, we have a morning and evening devotional, which we are going to give to you absolutely for free. Guys, start your week off or start your year off right. If you win these at this time, they'll be with you going into the new year and you'll be able to, every single morning and every single evening, be able to reflect on the Word of God. We always encourage people to be in the Word of God. And I love these devotional books because it gives you some, yeah, some direction and some structure to read reading and going over topics and whatnot. So again, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. What creature was killed on a snowy day by the son of Jehoiada? Benaiah. Was it A, fox, B, lion, C, a snow owl, or D, a polar 
Bear, you are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Joe by myself, Lawson, got Matthew across from me. Matthew, what is happening in the world of positively different news? Absolutely. So first of all, I thought I'd set the catalyst, meaning a bit of a foundation for what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So, because we know we're at that time of the seasonal year, which is coming up to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I love about Christmas, and I'm glad we kind of opened that, that can of worms about the paganism <laughs> side of Christmas and how Christians view it. And uh, I was sharing in the car with you one time how mm-hmm. one aspect I found very interesting. It's Yom Kippur. Yeah. Um, I know we don't practice that because we're not connected to the Jewish beliefs, even though mm. we respect their beliefs. Mm-hmm. But I just love how they're in contrast to how we actually see Christmas. Mm. We usually associate Christmas with a time of you know, joyful family gatherings, um, high festivities, mm. and um, the opening of gifts. And we all love gifts. So mm. I believe it just, it just appeals to more of our appetite side where we can get quite indulgent and we, in terms of not only food but also the selfish side of us, you know, give me a gift, give me a gift. Uh, I like to have a gift. Um, it's funny, like even in the song, um, Santa is, is coming to town. Mm-hmm. It talks about, you know, whether you're naughty or nice, <laughs> you know, you get a gift. So he's acting like some sort of <laughs> and then, savior then complex he, in there. he knows when you've been sleepy. He knows when you're awake. Like Santa, yeah. leave you alone. <laughs> I reckon. When did you, when did you develop, develop divine abilities to yeah. know where we are? Yeah, and that's our right. character type. No, it's like Santa really is a, an omnipotent being if, you, if the legends are to, to be <laughs> believed. Uh, but of, of course, you know they probably are. But, they are. but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. But as you said, Yom Kippur, it's a time of of deep reflecting, repentance, yes. turning towards Jesus, yeah. preparing for well, ultimately judgment. That's because that that was the Day of Atonement time period mm. as well, and it was a time of not feasting, but fasting, mm. and it was a time of not getting but giving. So they go and give to the poor. They mm. go and even make reconciliation with anyone that they've wronged. So yeah, they wow. ask for pardon and, you know, a time of asking for forgiveness. And we know that forgiveness has such healing capacity to the holistic mm. part of our lives, both spiritually, mentally, emotionally, mm. um, and socially. And so, and even physical benefits, because when you're not stressed, the cortisol levels, you know, that increases from mm. the uh, norepinephrine or the, the adrenaline that builds up. We get healed from you know, making reconciliation. So the beauty of Christmas and how does that set the tone for this good news story? Well, I'd like to share an interesting fact. Guess how many Christmas trees are sold around the world every year, roughly? Uh, Especially in the United States and in Germany because we don't have any, any factors uh, relating to Australia. Yeah, yeah. We only have 50 farms, Christmas farms, but they don't know the output. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I have literally... No idea. How, how many Christmas trees? I, made, I imagine it's in the millions. Well, um, nonetheless, it's about 25 to about 30 million trees that are sold in the United States yeah. alone. Yeah. And there's about 23 to 26 million that are sold in Germany. Uh-huh. Now, that's not including the kind of artificial trees made. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to ask that next question because, I mean, I have never owned a real tree for Christmas. You know, I, I live in the Lake Macquarie area <laughs> here in here in New South Wales. Like, it has never been – like I don't think pine trees are seasonal here. Do, do we get pine trees in this area? I don't. I have no idea. Like, probably, probably, probably not. What do you think, Producer Shell? Do we, do we get pine trees? Yes? No? Maybe not? Maybe <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, not not like the same vibe as what they've got in the states. Yeah, I thought so. Absolutely. So we need a spruce. <laughs> <laughs> we need spruce pine. Well, I I I don't see spruce pine around here. Well, you know, 
have you heard the words FedEx? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we don't have that as big here in Australia. We have DHL. That's one mm-hmm. of our biggest um, you know, logistics transportation company. Mm-hmm. So FedEx is involved with distributing about 16,000 Christmas trees mm. to families at over 90 military bases across the US. Oh, wow. That's what they're involved with. And they're partnering with this company called Christmas Spirit Foundation. Mm. So FedEx, they've also come to a special milestone with the program where they've developed, um, they've, they've been delivering up to about 300,000 mm-hmm. Christmas trees. And that's to celebrate, um, those trees at Fort Liberty. It's one of the bases in Northern Carolina. Mm. Um, they've even got a quote here from the Good News Network. It says, every year, the FedEx, the FedEx freight team puts in tireless effort to support trees for troops. Uh, the president and CEO of FedEx Freight says, we are honoured to give back to local communities and military families whose values have always been closely tied to the core mission of our company. So, Brother Lawson, since mm. 2005, FedEx Freight has supported the trees for troops retreat program that this particular initiative and as they've been delivering these farm-grown christmas trees to domestic as well as international u.s military bases across the united states mm-hmm. and it's been a yeah a long-standing collaboration that has become a cherished tradition of mm. fed effects as well now these drivers they've logged over six hundred thousand miles wow we're, talk- we're talking basically American a million metric. kilometers yes yeah absolutely and, you know, they started with a, a, a small uh, delivering of trees of 4,300 trees, but now mm. it's chopped up to the 300,000 today. Wow. You know, we think about the trees under the, tr- the gifts under the trees. Mm. We don't really consider the gift on the tree. And there's mm. Galatians 3.13 I like to tie in, which is uh, Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hang up on the tree. And remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world yeah. that he gave his only begotten son. That whomsoever shall believe of him shall not perish. Ah, yeah. I have everlasting life. I love, uh, I love some of the points you're making. It reminds me, I remember I had the opportunity to preach on Christmas a couple of years ago. You know, it was, it was a Saturday, fell on Christmas Day. I believe it was 2021. And I got up and preached and I talked about the reason for the season. And, and I, I, I kind of, I kind of, dude, the tracks of the Christmas sermon run deep, you know, like every Christmas is, it's it around that time. It's Luke, the first couple of chapters of Luke and whatnot, getting into the nativity. And, and, uh, and I was like, oh, I want to do something different. And I'm sure someone's preached a message similar to this before, but I, I preached about, uh, the, you know, one of the reasons of the season being actually repentance, like mm. the idea that the reason that Jesus is coming is so that we can be, uh, saved from our sins yeah. and so that we, like our reaction to the advent should be to to r- repent. The, our reaction to advent should be to to ask Jesus to work in us by the power of His Holy Spirit to grow us to help us to reach others. It's so amazing that our reaction to advent can be gratefulness and receiving and giving gifts, but there is also so much need to realize is why is Advent celebrated? Why is Jesus's nativity story celebrated? Is because Jesus, we're celebrating the beginning of the life of the Messiah who would live an amazing life, you know, teaching, giving us example, but then furthermore would die for our sins. And so it's just, such an absolute need to reflect and say, I love that point you made. You know, we often think about the gifts under the tree, but yeah. what about the gift on the tree? Yeah. And that's Jesus himself giving his life as a gift to us. And what's our response? Is it, oh, hey, you know, Christmas Day, we get to play with our toys. You know, I can't, like every year, like in my family, it's like we have 
our legit gifts and then we have what we call our disposable gifts you know we'll buy like a set of water guns or something and shoot each other or whatever but it's like is it just is jesus just a disposable gift on christmas day or is he a life-changing aspect of of your existence of your being so important to reflect on during this time you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different Matthew, get us our next quiz question. It's an honour. So, fill in the blank, friends. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in blank, mm. but shall have the light of life. That's John chapter 8 and verse 12. Mm. Reading again. Then Jesus spake... Oh, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Mm. He that followeth me shall not walk in Mm-hmm. but shall have the light of life. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Mm. Absolutely. Hey, if you know the answers, again, 0491-064-669, our prizes for this week. We have a morning devotional and an evening devotional as well that we want to give to you absolutely for free, guys. So 0491-064-669, the answer to that, again, fill in that blank. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not Walk in blank, but shall have light of life. That's from John eight twelve zero four nine one zero six zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You can put that on my tab. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, man, this number though is like is it's prolific in my life. It's everywhere. I see it everywhere. I say it all the time. I often get asked, you know, oh, like what's the phone number, whatever, and I'll I'll literally start typing zero four nine one, and they're like, no, 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 <laughs> you know, jump over to my phone number. It's uh, it, and then but then. I kind of do this automatic thing in my brain where I start saying the number sometimes. I'm like, oh, should I be saying this or which number am I supposed to give? But uh, luckily, I've never said my own full number on the radio show, <laughs> which I feel like is potentially liable to happen at some point. So, hey, we're, we're killing it. I haven't doxxed myself. You know, we're living our best lives. 0491-064-669. Now, I wanted to talk about some sentiments towards the Bible and particularly held by young people. Uh, a, a study was recently done in Britain and it was all about the Bible and hate speech and this was some of the outcomes. You always got the good ones about oh, well, something happening in the world. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how okay. people feel. Now, this was done in, in Britain. This was done you know, all over the UK by a group called Whitestone Insights and they found that 25% of young Brits would support the banning of the Bible if they believed it contained hate speech. Oh, wow. You know what question that begs? And what construes, Jawson, hate speech? Yeah, that's right. So it was 25% of young Brits, which is like 18 to 34, and then that was followed by 35 to 54 was 17%, and then 55 and above, it was 13%. So this is the attitudes that these guys have towards the Bible. If it contains hate speech, they would support banning it. Okay. Just just getting rid of it, getting rid of it from our shelves, from our schools, and having it as a banned book, similar to, you know, a, a Mein Kampf or, or something like this. Now, it does beg the question, it's like how or what is it in the Bible that you can classify as hate speech and we've seen the dramatically shifting cultural tides in the world where 
there are aspects of the Bible that would be considered hate speech, particularly regarding the idea of nuclear family and or the you know the nucleus family and sexual ethics and and morals. And so, therefore, they're saying, no, nah, like, if, if it was hate speech, we'd ban it, which I think is so bad. I honestly, there's a part of me that just a, a very large part of me that says that no book or history should be banned. We should, I think, you know, to have it pro- properly introduced to people and properly mm-hmm. and appropriately shared with people is, is a really important thing. But simultaneously, it's like having history at our fingertips, having books not being banned and history not being banned and retaught is actually good for us because we learn from history, right? And it's a resource amongst other resources. Yeah. But furthermore, the Bible is history, but also it is the the doctrine of our faith. It's the, the foundation of Christian belief and, and, just morals. To, and morals. And to say that, oh, this book that's actually inspired and helped so many is worth being banned is is a terrible thing. Now, again, someone could make the uh, the argument against Mein Kampf, right? They're like, hey, you know, Mein Kampf, the obviously like it's basically Hitler's struggle, Hitler's manifesto uh, as to why you know there should <laughs> or or the writings of Karl Marx or whatever it may be, which again aren't banned, even though they, like the writings of Karl Marx are like kill the bourgeoisie, <laughs> you know, destroy, seize the means of production and and kill the upper class. Mein Kampf is you know. To, to to take aim at minorities and whatnot, and it's like these these books are bad. Look, well, someone could say it's like, oh, they agree with it at the time, but we see it's disagreeable. But I think the difference with the Bible is that the Bible has actually worked to inspire so much charity and good. Jesus Absolutely. being one of the single most charitable figures that there is, and supporting a morality that we know biologically is 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 correct and is good for us and creates successful societies you know i don't want to get too much into the the moralist argument even though it's true i just think it's been done over and over again but it's yeah it's like look i'm happy to live in a western society based on judeo-christian models that that is informed by what the bible says and to just say oh hey if it if it has hate speech get rid of it Again, the questions come, it's like, why do you feel as though it ha- it's hate speech? And why has the tides shifted in this way to be considered, for the Bible to be considered hate speech? Actually, so I'll share a few thoughts there. I'm thinking that it, you, you're saying it in terms of the context, because mm. anyone could say hate speech, but hate speech according to them and their yeah. template of what they see as morally right. Sure. So, for instance, um, I've actually said this to a friend who is pro-socialism, mm. and I shared, well, you know, God is, I believe, is the epitome of, I wouldn't just say communism, but common good, because he's the one who makes sure that everyone is treated equally, but he does it from a non-dictorial point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love, I've lo- I love what you've said here, because it's systems of government and systems of man, ultimately, you know, that people are trying to, fo- I believe there can be a dictatorial capitalism, there can be a yes. dictatorial communism, uh, d- dictatorship, authoritarianism, and the suppressings of one's morals and beliefs and the freedom to express them is a terrible thing. Now, that being said, freedom of expression and belief should be in a sense that you know, doesn't harm people like i i really i really sincerely believe that and i think what sin is and what sin causes is the impeding of someone else's decisions and in the impeding of someone else's uh, rights and freedoms for example like matt if i was to steal from you 
did you want me to steal from you? No. No, right? So that what sin does is like in a perfect world, I wouldn't steal from you and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't impede your moral freedoms to be able to not be stolen from and, and vice versa. But sin, what sin does is that it hurts people by impeding those freedoms. So essentially, when you say impeding those freedoms, you're also saying that, like I impose my beliefs mm-hmm. over yours. Yeah, that's um, right. So and if your belief is I'm going to take your stuff, yes, that that's where sin comes in, and and it's it's a belief system informed by selfish selfishness. And I believe that there have been systems of Christianity that have been created that have absolutely been informed by selfishness. But when the systems of beliefs that Christianity and the Bible is ultimately proliferating is one that isn't selfishness, but selflessness is, is giving so much to your fellow man is loving and caring for your fellow man. I think to ban the Bible because you consider it in a 2023 setting to have hate speech is to undo like the good things that have come from history from the Bible, you know, and, and to undo Essentially, yeah, the positive steps that we've actually taken in society as a result of the Bible, the charitability that has come to society as a result of the Bible. And so, yeah, I'm just like sad to see this. And again, there's that question as well. It says, if the Bible contains HP, it's just quite obvious that these people, they've maybe heard about the Bible or whatever, but they, they don't really understand Christian literature, which is sad, not only from a, like, I'm not saying that they have to become Christian to read the Bible. I would love people to become Christian. I'd love to be people to become followers of Jesus. That's the business that we work in. But simultaneously, it's like, man, to disregard such a, a critical and important document relating to the history of the country you're part of, particularly the UK. It's 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 sad. It's sad as. So, yeah, interesting stuff here. Let us know how you feel about this. Should the Bible be banned? And should Christian or should any books be banned because they're considered to have hate speech? Our number is 0491-064-669. Text us in at that number. Let us know how you feel about this. Should the Bible be banned? Or you know, any books that are considered hate speech? Or what should we go do about this? How should we go about it? You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, it's come time for an interview. Before we get into it, let's get our next quiz question. Hey, this is a good one. Friends, the quiz question goes like this. Fearing the effect of Paul's preaching on their idol-making business, a group from what occupation stirred up a riot in Ephesus. Mm. Wow, this is such an interesting story. Uh, I, man, love the book of Acts so much. And so, hey, if you know the answer to this one, what 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 occupation were the men who stirred up a riot in Ephesus against Paul, who were getting people to chant down the streets, you know, Artemis, Diana, if you know the answer to this one, 0491-064-669. And of course, you'll go into the draw to win a morning and evening devotional if you win this one starting off or getting into 2024 in the railway. Can you believe that it's almost 2024? I can't. I, I- Time's got a rocket pack Oh, on its back. dude, I like I, I I felt it when we went into 2023. I'm like, oh man, the years are flying by. It's nearly 2024. You're listening to the breakfast show this morning. Hey, do you want to give us that quiz question one more time? Gladly. So, fearing the effect of Paul's preaching on their idol making business, a group from what occupation stirred up a riot 
in Ephesus, and you said a key importantly before, mm. um, Lawson, it's what occupation. Mm. Um, what I found fascinating, as we were discussing earlier, there was an occupation that fell under threat as well um, during the time of the liberating of the demoniacs, and mm. that's where the demoniacs, it's the Lord sent their spirit into pigs. Yeah, wow. And they, those farmers were more interested about their you know, business than they were about the salvation of those two men. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, if you know the answer to this one, 0491-064-669. Hey, we have Brad Moody on the show this morning to talk about all things apologetics and going through the C- series that we've been going through. We get you on semi-regular. Brad, how are you doing today? Hey, Brad. Yeah, hey, too. Yeah, doing really well. Thank you so much for having me on again. Uh, Yeah, so today we are looking into part two of the reconciliation between law and grace. Mm. Last time we sort of powered through uh, a fair bit to do with the law, Mm -hmm. uh, and today we want to balance that whole principle out, as I'm sure there's a whole people up in arms about the whole um, idea of law being too heavily focused upon. So we want to bring some balance to that today. Uh, But before we do that, we do need to just give a little bit more um, of, I guess, a background to those who weren't with us last time Mm. um, on on the law and uh, what, I guess, the Bible says about the law, whether Mm. it's something that's good or whether it's something that's not. Uh, so just a bit of a recap from where we were last time. The Bible makes it very clear that the law is not something to be despised. In Psalms 19, it says that the law of the Lord is perfect uh, and that it makes wise the simple and that there is great reward in keeping the law. So it sounds to me like, once again, that the, the Bible says that the law is a good thing and that the focus of the law, we, we, we discussed this last time, the focus because of the law is loving relationships, both love to God and love to man, and right, and that love to God and man is most effectively articulated in the Ten Commandments, and mm. probably the most simply as well. The first four being love to God, the last five, last six, sorry, being love to man. Mm. And we talked about how God thought this was so important that it is the only part in the Bible that verifiably was written with His own finger on tables of stone, yeah, signifying wow. the etern- eternality of its principles. Right. So that we just can't go past, that it's the only part in the Bible that was written with his own finger um, that we can absolutely vouch for. Uh, 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 Now, James also calls it the law of liberty. This is something else that we talked about, uh, Mm -hmm. which kind of seems counterintuitive, and people get get this mixed up, that the law is often something that they believe is a whole bunch of don'ts. So how can that be something that brings liberty? Uh, And with that perspective... Just It seems to be a, a cause of restriction mm. rather than of liberty, which is just the way that the devil would have it. This is something we didn't get to highlight last time, but you see, it's the same um, argument that the law is restrictive. This whole idea mm. uh, is something that the serpent was trying to portray to Eve in the garden, where, where he's saying, has God indeed said that you shall not eat of all the trees of the garden? It's almost like as if you're missing out mm. if you abide by the law of God. And this is what the devil's trying to bring about today. This is what he's trying to convince people of in our day now as well. But in light of the law of uh, being a law of liberty, we discussed last time um, that we live in a free country of mm. freedom in this country is based upon those those laws that govern the stability of it. Did you want to say something there, Lawson? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, mate. Yeah, no, I just wanted to mention, we, we were talking about this briefly in our previous section, the idea that the moral foundation that's found in the Bible actually enables freedoms and enables, uh, well, oh, it, it, it enables cool. freedom because what it teaches us is that freedom is found by, n- like, not impeding the will of other people. If people are 
aren't oh, impeding each huge. other. Yes. If people aren't impeding each other's will. Like, for example, if I, uh, if you, I, I, I assume that you have no desire for me to steal things from you, but if I steal things from you, <laughs> then I, I might be living freely to steal things. You know, I freely decide to steal things from you, but you are not living freely because mm. you are forced to lose your possessions, uh, which is something that you don't want to do. And and what the Ten Commandments do, and what the law does, and what you're getting at the law of liberty is that it's the perfect Mm, system mm. where a true freedom of action without your you know your will and your free will being impeded can actually exist it's these governing principles that enable someone to live without their will being impeded by someone which is ultimately sin like that impeding of will comes from serving self rather than serving Uh others Oh, that's spot on. That's so good because that ch- takes a whole chunk out of explanation that we don't need to go into. Thank you for that, Lawson. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys have already covered it. Sounds like the the Lord has already been leading this conversation yeah, before no, it started. That's we're, great. Mate, we're super blessed. And then uh, now, I guess we can consider and turn the corner to. It's like okay, we've got mm-hmm. these laws; they enable freedom, but. You know, obviously yes. we are sinners. We are in this position where we have fallen short, despite the obvious exactly. good that we can understand about the law. Where do we go from here? Like, where does that leave us, Brad? What what steps can we take further oh, from here? That's a that's a great question, Lawson. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so so this is where grace comes in because, like mm. you re- like you mentioned there, we were going to touch on um, Romans chapter three and Romans chapter six, mm. um, both the twenty third verses say, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." Sure. In other words, there's no one that hasn't sinned. There's no one that hasn't failed. We've all failed. Mm. Right, and the wages of sin, as in the result of the work that you do, which is sin, the what, the result of that is death. But then wow. that verse goes on with a beautiful encouragement: the gift of God is eternal life through mm. Jesus Christ our Lord. And we cannot go past. But we're talking about grace. We cannot go past Ephesians chapter two and verse eight and nine. But before we even get there, I wanted to ask you guys: define for me what is grace from your perspective. So for somebody out there that's like, what is this this fancy theological term, grace? What is grace? Can somebody? Can you guys tell me what is grace? I've I've got the classic um, kind of common understanding with majority of our churches, which is the unmerited favour, um, you know, the fact that we get something that we're so undeserving of because um, someone's kind of... Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Exactly right. It's the simplest way to put it. It's something that you don't deserve. It's a favour that you don't deserve because you've done something wrong. You deserve something alternative to what has been mm. given to you. Yeah. You've been given good things when you should have been given bad things. Putting it very simply, that's exactly it. That's what yeah, grace wow. is. So basically what the Bible here is saying is that the, that everybody has failed and deserves to die. Yes. But notice what Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 says, for mm. by grace ye are saved through faith, that not of your world, not of yourselves, it is the gift yeah. Of, that's that same word from Romans chapter 6, mm-hmm. the gift of God, not of works. In other words, not of doing things according to the law, not of not of doing those selfless acts that Lawson was just highlighting. That's not how you are saved. Those yeah. things that have, have, have no bearing on your salvation, that is a gift of God. Grace is the means by which you are saved through faith. In other words, accepting that gift, and, and you'll hear this in Christian circles around the world, it's all about accepting it. You've just got to take that gift. It's right there. It's for 
for you. Just take it. Take the gift. And absolutely, by faith, you take that gift and you then live within the freedom of that grace that has been given to you, undeserving though you are. Right? Okay. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it, it just leads a segue to this question I have in my mind. And I'll have you to correct me on this one, um, Brother Brad, which is, you mentioned earlier the, the verse that, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Now, is that where grace mm-hmm. comes in? Mm-hmm. Because we've fallen short, that's that's the perfect reason for grace. There's any connection there? Absolutely. Like you, you've 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 led right into my next my next thought process. So so the the law demands justice. Let's just imagine. All right. Let's just imagine. All right. For example, that that you have been convicted of murder. All right. You've been convicted of murder. There's no doubt about it. You you're fully guilty. You have broken the law. I just want to highlight that you have mm. broken the law. If you didn't have a law, you wouldn't know what you had done wrong. But mm. there is a law, and it says that you've done the wrong thing. That law demands justice. You deserve to done yes. all right yeah. so this is where I, this comes in we've we've broken the law of god and, and we've, we've we've done wrong go ahead yeah i was just gonna say i like that you use the example of murder because in our penal system you know you can build my dad has this classic saying it's uh it's you can build bridges all over the world uh but if one of those bridge collapses and kills someone you're responsible for it and it's kind of the idea <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of the idea that you could live the best life but if you ended up on trial for murder it would be a very invalid defense fence to sit there and say but i've lived a good life it's like no 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 no, no. we're not trying you for the rest of your life (laughs) we're trying you for murder and murder demands like either either your life in prison or in some kind of justice Mm -hmm. or that you know in some states in america the death penalty or whatever it may be but it's 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 that there is no way to avoid that penalty no matter how good of a person you are it's like hey bam done okay yeah you're on trial for murder as you said (laughs) and it's like and and you are 100% 100% deserving of that penalty. That's the position that we're in. So, Brad, what That's you're it. trying to say is That's exactly right. some sort of justice needs to be done. Mm. Is it? This is exactly it, right? So let's say the judge is about to pronounce condemnation. He's about to bring about the full penalty of the law against you who have killed someone innocent, for mm. argument's sake. But someone comes bursting through the door. Right? Let's just, just put your put your put your imagination oh, on man, right I'm now. Right? Scene, someone comes dude. bursting through the door and and, <laughs> and runs up to the judge, gives him a slip of paper, and whispers in his ear. And the, the the judge's facial expression changes. He reads the paper and looks straight at you and says. You're free to go. Mm. The justice of your crime demands that you be killed, right? That's the result of it. But somehow justice has been met by someone else and you are free to go. Yeah, wow. What a sense of liberty is now yours. You are free to re-enter society. Mm. This is what is given to you. That is the liberty. That is grace right there. You don't deserve that. You deserve the penalty of the law, the full weight of it, like you were talking about, Lawson. Mm. But then how do we how do we reconcile grace and law? This is a constant argument between two opposing sides. Should we keep the law if we're not under the law but under grace? What mm. is the point? Grace covers us. The law has been done away with at the cross. But hang on here, all right? The law is a law of liberty, as we discussed. Yep. It's a blessing. Imagine that court scene again for a moment. You've broken the law. You deserve to die. And the judge says that justice has been met, and you have been given grace to go and dwell wow. among society again. Imagine now, for example, all right, just putting yourself in that court scene. Imagine now you have that freedom and you run outside of the judgment hall and you stab someone in the throat because you're no longer under the law, but <laughs> under grace. Hectic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 
can go around killing people because I've been given grace. The law has been done away with on account of grace. You can mm. now just go on a killing spree. Oh, wow. What is going to happen to you? So abuse grace. You are going to get locked right? up for the rest of your life. People are just going to be like, yeah, you've abused grace. You, yeah. uh, you can't get away with that. And they're going to take you and lock you up for, for the rest of your life. And, 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 and all the more reason should be. Like, that's all the more reason for that to take place. It's irrational that the law of love that Jesus talks about, that, 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 that John talks about, the law of liberty that James talks about could be done away with by grace. No, 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 no. Here's just one of the many verses that Paul himself, this is the writer of Ephesians, that verse that we just read about being saved by grace and through faith alone mm. that we just read. The same writer wrote how ridiculous that concept is. He says in Romans chapter 7 and verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? And then with these forceful words, he says, God forbid no, I should have not known sin except for the law, right? Mm. And he goes on to talk about lust and how that he didn't know until the law said don't covet, right? But this is the thing. I want to I just, I want to just, we are looking to get re-entrance into heaven because we've been kicked out because we broke the law, mm-hmm. right? Our re-entrance back into heaven is based upon grace. It's the unmerited favor, as you said, Matthew, that unmerited favor that allows us re-entry into the kingdom of heaven. But we are expected to be abiding by the principles that govern that place. How can we expect re-entrance without striving to the best of our ability to uphold the principles that govern that place? It's like people in Australia, this country of liberty, will not be allowed to come in if they have demonstrated. They'll ask you, if you're coming in and you're wanting to emigrate to Australia, they will ask you, have you been convicted of any crimes in the country where which you're coming Mm. from? And that's one of the key elements of like, you can't come in here, mate, if you're going to mess the place up like you did in the country that you've come from. Mm. Same thing in heaven, right? And this is why Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, these powerful words, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, one, yet one of the most more, one of the most powerful. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. In other words, this will be an evidence that you love me. I've given you grace. I've died on your behalf. Now I want you to appreciate that grace and never murder another soul as long as you shall live. That's what he wants. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. The person, the person who appreciates the grace does not go on a killing spree once they've been granted that grace. They try the best to never break the law again. Now, let me just be let me just be very clear before we wind this up. I just want to be very clear that don't be discouraged if so be that you you you're falling into sin and you're struggling with it. Welcome to welcome to selfish humanity. We all struggle with this, right? Mm. But the Bible says in First John chapter one and verse nine, it says that that He is faithful and just to forgive us if we confess our sins to Him. So don't feel like you you don't have an advocate with the Father. You do, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He continues to to intercede on our behalf. We can mm. praise His name for that. But just understand that your efforts and your energies should be sunk into striving to appreciate that grace by never murdering another soul as long as you live. Striving mm. as best you can to appreciate it. That's the whole balance between 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 grace and the law. Mm. The law demands death. But in appreciation to it, we strive to live within those healthy boundaries that created this, well, this this land of liberty because of the laws of love that, that established the, the democracy that we live within. And then this is why Jesus says um, um, uh, to, to the woman who was caught in adultery, John 8, he says to her, go and sin no more. 
You've been given grace. Nobody's condemning you. I'm not condemning you. Go and sin no more. In other words, strive never to do this again. That's the point. Balance that out. Love God and love his grace by keeping the law, not in order to be saved. Because like you pointed out, Lawson, you cannot be saved by keeping the law. It's not that you do all the, your good works are not going to remedy that bridge that fell down and killed someone. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, ah, oh, this is fantastic. So we're in this position. It ultimately and clearly points to the fact that the grace that's been afforded to us by Christ is is purely the only way. And it's the only way that anyone mm. can end up in heaven. And I, I love what you're saying here because that's the it. confusions about law and grace have also created a system of belief that is like Christians get into heaven because of grace. Jews get into heaven yeah. because of or because of the law, and there's that that difference between the old and new covenant. But what we can see very wow, clearly is, is like no, 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 no. There, there isn't. It's everyone has been saved throughout all time in the same way. Like we've all been given law, mm, we've all been given yeah. grace, and ultimately, what God yeah. has strived to do is to afford us grace, as the Bible says, in time of need, uh, and to, That's to exactly look it. to to forgive us of our present sin, mm. uh, to you know sanctify us and strengthen us for us to work good works from that, and uh, ultimately to judge That's us it. as righteous before heaven. Matt, uh, exactly yeah, right. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Brad. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up, dude. I like we've, we've used all of our time. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.